0: Good evening, church. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. My name is Colin, the pulpit minister here at Central Church of Christ. This is Dan Spate.
1: He's one of our elders and here at Central Church of Christ, it's our mission to be God's heart and hands in this community and beyond. If you'd like to learn more about what that means, I want to encourage you to head over to our website at www.churchvictoria.com. This is our Wednesday evening conversation through the law and the prophets where we open up the Old Testament, we move through the narrative and the text, and we see how it impacts us today as the church and how it how that text connects to Jesus. Um, If you're listening to this on the Heart and Heads podcast, I want to thank you so much for joining us. If you're watching this on YouTube, make sure you're subscribed to the channel and you have the bell turned on so you get notified every time we upload a video. And if you're watching this on Facebook, make sure to like and share. That really helps us out. And make sure to comment down below. Um, if this ministry has blessed you or you'd like to partner with us in this ministry, I want to encourage you to head over to that website. At the top of the page, we have a donate button that uh, take, will take you to PayPal, and you can partner with us as we seek to teach and preach the gospel. Uh, we're going to pray and get into the lesson. Again, church, thank you so much for joining us.
0: Okay, you ready? Let's pray. We'll get started. Yep. Father thank you so much for the opportunity we have to study this morning we pray father your blessings upon us we pray that uh, you that you uh, encourage us lift us up for all those who will be who will be watching uh, whether quickly or in the future we pray that uh, whatever we say will will have a, an impact on them and they will it will draw them closer to you we thank you for the opportunity we thank you for this venue and we pray your blessings upon this church as we as we strive to reach out and touch the lost Thank you, Father, for, for giving us this period of time uh, to study your word. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen.
1: All right. So we've been, we're still in the book of Leviticus. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yes, we are.
1: Did, did you know there was so much here?
0: <laughs> yeah, I did. I, I did. I did know. But, you know, and there again, we qual- qualify this. Where, this is where most Bible students go to die.
1: Yeah, this is, yeah, this is where most yearly by, you like read the Bible in your reading plans go to die. This it's, is where they yeah. this is where they self destruct. Yeah, they usually make it yep. like the last you know it's like the last twenty chapters uh, of Exodus right because it's it's a story mm-hmm. from Genesis one all the way to Exodus nineteen when yep. they get to Mount Sinai it's a complete like narrative up until that point so it's a story and then right around Exodus nineteen you start getting this weird literature called law code yeah. <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's like have you ever read the Texas that like the Texas administration? Administrative code or the texas no. law code oh my gosh it's like that it's like reading that it's like reading that and uh it's, it's like watching paint dry it is it's it's, yeah. it's horrible it's <laughs> it's very hard to get through and then you get into you you finally get through like 10 chapters of exodus you get back into like exodus 32 and it starts to be narrative again and then it's narrative for like two chapters and then it gets right into law code again and it's like what the priests are doing <laughs> and everything and then you get into Leviticus, and you think, "Well, I'm glad Exodus is over." And you get into Leviticus, and it's it's another 30 <laughs> chapters of that. Yeah, yeah so. it's but it's hey, hard,
0: man. We've learned learned some good stuff, though. There is good we've stuff. We've found here. some yeah. good stuff. There's yep. absolutely good you know, stuff. this what we talked about last week about faith and having faith in God because of your jubilee. That's all. You know, that's all legitimate stuff for us today. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. It is.
1: So and so it it it's going to nosedive though. So you get you get into that, and then you start you get reminded about something in the Torah. That, from a twenty-first century perspective, looks horrible, and seems to be the exact opposite of what God is working towards. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to deal with some of
0: that today. And, and let's go. Um, this is the year of jubilee. This is the fiftieth year. Yeah. Okay. After forty-nine years, they have a year after
1: what is it? Seven sabbaths or something. Seven like that? sabbaths. Yeah. yeah. Seven sabbaths. Yeah. So
0: they have they they have the. This is the fiftieth year. It's called the year of jubilee, and this is where everything reverts back and starts over. That's right. You start over. Yes. Think how this would fly in our culture today.
1: Right. After no, 50
0: years, we, we sell not. all our cars, give all our property back, to, to put all of our money back out and start all over.
1: And in the midst of this appeal from God mm-hmm. to trust him, to have faith in That's him. That's what it was all about. Right. Because that it's is what it. it's all about. In the midst of this, and, and it's an awesome picture of, hey, we can step out in faith. We can trust our God in these things. In the midst of this is this nugget of, well, it's not a nugget. It's a, it's a time bomb. Or it's a, it's a landmine is probably because you're going to get to it. And from a 21st century perspective, it's like, what? Yeah. What? So let's just read it. We're in Leviticus uh, 25. Yeah. And we're going to look at verse 39. If any of your fellow Israelites become poor and sell themselves to you, do not make them work as slaves. What? (laughs) What? (laughs) They are to be treated as hired workers or temporary residents among you. They are to work for you until the year of Jubilee. Then they and their children are to be released and they will go back to their own clans and to the property of their ancestors because the Israelites are my servants whom I brought out of Egypt. They must not be sold as slaves. Well, what about everybody else? (laughs) Keep going. Do not rule over them ruthlessly, but but fear your God. So that's that's like pretty eye-opening and then it gets explicit. Yeah. If that wasn't explicit enough. Verse 44, your male and female slaves are to come from the nations around you. And from them you may buy slaves. You may also buy some of the temporary residents living among you and members of their clans born in your country, and they will become your property. You can bequeath them to your children as inherited property and can make them slaves for life. But you must not rule over your fellow Israelites ruthlessly. This is what you we, we've been waiting to get to for a while. So this is so, like I said, this is like a landmine. If you're reading through the Torah and you get to this point, you're like, "What? <laughs> what?" Especially in our culture today, all, all of a sudden, like you know, you're you're thinking like, "What? What is this? Like 1800s, the the South in the 1800s? Like, is this the Confederacy all over again? Like, did, were the Confederates right?" And God's okay with having slaves? Uh-huh. What is going on here, right? Like it's it's distressing because we look at slavery in the 21st century, I think biblically and appropriately, which is to abhor it. Mm-hmm. Now you go, wait a minute, Cole. How can you say the biblical view of slavery is abhorrent because Explain God, what
0: you mean by abhorrent.
1: Right, abhorrent, like
0: horrible, evil, horrible. disgusting, evil. repulsive. Evil. Yeah.
1: Um, the idea- of taking another individual and turning them into property is not, is, is not only repulsive on the highest level, right? Like just absolutely atrocious. But I would also argue that it is evil and horrible in the eyes of God, mm-hmm. right? And I think that the biblical worldview is consistent that slavery is wrong. And you might, then you might be pressed to say, but wait a minute, Cole, God obviously allows this in his law. And I would say you're absolutely right. He does. It's right there. Yeah. So how it can, right there? How can God allow something that He's not okay with? And so let's—that's really the question, right? So let's let's lay this out. I'm going to lay this case out, okay. okay? And I want you guys, you as the the listeners, as I lay this case out, you be the judge of the argument, okay? okay. So my argument is that God is not okay, and He has never been okay with slavery, despite what we read here, okay? So we're, we're going to look at that. Now, so, it's
0: obvious what we read here. It's obvious what we read he here. He said, don't make a slave of your own people. Right. But you can enslave people around you. Right. That's that you, what he said. If
1: you're going to take slaves, you take them from the people around you. Yeah. Okay. So let's first make sure. All right, this is definitive, okay? I want to be be crystal here. Exodus 21. This There's a rule about slavery in Exodus 20 and 21. God has qualifications. What, right? What's
0: the, Exodus 21?
1: Uh, Exodus 21 verse 20 okay and i just want to make sure that we understand this is consistent throughout the torah okay that god allows slavery he has okay. stipulations for it but he allows slavery right so in verse 20 of exodus 21 anyone who beats their male or female slave with rod must be punished if the slave dies as a direct result but they are not to be punished if the slave recovers after a day or two since the slave is their property so obvious. Here we are in the law again. God has some stipulations concerning slavery. You're not allowed to t- to take slaves from amidst your own people, mm-hmm. the Israelites. Mm-hmm. Um, you're not allowed to just beat your slave until they die. Yeah. There'll be a there'll be another rule about a slave losing their eye. Uh, I can't recall where it's at. Uh, but there's another rule about you know if if you put out a slave's eye, they are to be compensated, let to go free, that type of thing, mm-hmm. uh, because of the destruction of the eye. Right. So there are rules about slavery, but God does not say you're not allowed to have slaves. Mm-hmm. And this makes us go, wait a minute, how is God okay with this? Like like, what is going on, right? So let, let me explain why God isn't okay with this, all right? Turn over to Genesis chapter one real quick. In Genesis chapter one, we have what God's view of man, his statement for their purpose, And his view of them and the view that we should have enshrined. Okay. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. This is verse 26, starting in 26. I'm sorry. Genesis 1, 26. You got it, Lee? Okay. Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground so god created mankind in his own image in the image of god he created them male and female he created them god blessed them and said to them this is verse 28 be fruitful and increase in number fill the earth and subdue it rule over the fish in the sea and the birds in the sky and over every living creature that moves on the ground this is and if you go back and watch our episode our first episode over genesis where we talked about this Mm -hmm. it's first or second episode um I pointed out that this is a groundbreaking statement. In ancient Near Eastern law codes, the Code of Hammurabi, the Code of Iptishar, the the Babylonian codes, and all of these things that we have, the, the Assyrian kingly codes and decrees, this is the only one coming out of the ancient Near East that does not invest sole divine authority in one person but rather spreads it out over all people notice what he says here he doesn't say the Israelites are created in the image of God that's not what he says no he says all people are created in my image Mm -hmm. so this is a conflicting statement why is it okay for the Israelites to take slaves from the nations why is it okay for them to take slaves at all if everyone is made in the image of God this is the tension inherent in the text. God makes it clear. We're all made in his image. Further, we're not made. Some people aren't made to be slaves and others made to rule. All people are made to rule over the ha- the work of God. Mm-hmm. All people are meant to increase in number, to come together, male and female, increase in number, populate the earth and rule over it. All people are God's image bearers. So that seems to conflict with what we have in the law. Mm-hmm. This is when we get down to the nature and the point of the law. What was this law intended to be? We have Christians who run around today who say the problem in our society is we don't keep the law of Moses anymore. The problem in our society is we don't keep God's law. This was God's holy and divine law meant for all people everywhere to keep. That's ridiculous. This is not, that's not the point. The point, this is a screwdriver. This is a screwdriver that's intended to accomplish a very specific purpose, right? You don't use a Phillips head screwdriver on a flathead screw. No. You, it doesn't work, does it? This law was given to this people in this time with a specific purpose. And that purpose was to usher in the Messiah. Yep. And so he gives them laws and he gives them code that later are not going to be needed. We see that within the biblical narrative itself. Now, a few episodes back, I talked about a change in the law and I said that it was under Joshua. I misspoke. It wasn't under Joshua. It occurs under Moses and it occurs in the book of Numbers and we'll look at it. And so these women, right, God basically lays out in the book of Numbers as they're about to enter the land the way property is going to be assigned, uh, not only assigned, but inherited. And it's supposed to go to the male children. Well, these women show up and said, and say, well, our, our fathers didn't have male children. They only had women children. They only had girls. So what? Our clan loses this property because our father didn't have male children? Is that, so, is that supposed to be right? So our clan is going to be cut off from Israel and Moses is going to look at it and go, oh, that's not good. Let's go talk to God and see what he says. And then God's going to give him new law. Mm-hmm. And he's going to make a new decision that isn't part of this current law. So the the point is that God has not, this isn't a perfect law that's meant to encompass every time. It's a specific law given to a specific people in a specific culture. And it's supposed to deal with those people. It's not meant for everyone. But let's see if that's true, right? So I want you to turn over to Matthew. Matthew chapter 19. So Matthew chapter 19 is a, a, uh pretty pretty awesome section it talks about uh divorce right Mm -hmm. and so matthew chapter 19 we're start looking in verse 1 when jesus had finished saying these things he left galilee and went into the region of judea (laughs) to the other side of the jordan large crowds followed him and he healed them there it's Pharisees came to him to test him. They asked, is it lawful for a man to divorce his wife for any and every reason? So this was a big debate going on in the first century. You basically had two different rabbis, two different very popular rabbis that argued two different things. You had one rabbi who said, a man can give his wife a certificate of divorce for any and every reason. If he comes home and she has displeased him because she has burned his dinner, he is is allowed to give her a certificate of divorce and divorce his wife. You had another rabbi who said, no, it's only on the grounds of sexual immorality. Mm -hmm. Okay. So the Pharisees are coming to test Jesus. All right, rabbi Jesus, what do you say it is, Mm -hmm. right? Haven't you read, Jesus replied, that at the beginning, the creator made them male and female and said, for this reason, a man will leave his father and mother and be united to his wife and the two will become one flesh. So they are no longer two, but one flesh. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. It's really interesting where Jesus goes to make his appeal. He doesn't go to the law of Moses. No. He goes directly back to the beginning, to the way it was in the garden. Mm-hmm. This is the way that God intended everything to be. Okay. It's important. We need yeah. to hold on to that for a second. Just hold that in the back of your mind. So the Pharisees push back then. Why then, they asked, did Moses command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away you see in the law of moses it says very clearly that a man if a man let's go look at it let's hold on to matthew 19 here and let's go look at it this is deuteronomy 24 deuteronomy 24 starting in verse 1 this is in the torah this is in the law code Mm -hmm. this is the this is part of the covenant at sinai right that was passed down from god to moses to the people of israel so what does Jesus said? Jesus went back to the garden and said, no, 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 no. A man and a woman together forever. That's that's the intention. They are one flesh. This is what Moses says in, De- in Deuteronomy 24, verse 1. If a man marries a woman who becomes displeasing to him because he finds something indecent about her and he writes her a certificate of divorce, so something indecent about her, that would be the one rabbi saying if, if the woman displeases him in any way, mm-hmm. right? And he writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house. And if she leaves his house, she becomes the wife of another man. And her second husband dislikes her and writes her a certificate of divorce, gives it to her and sends her from his house, or if he dies, then her first husband who divorced her is not allowed to marry her again after she has been defiled. That would be detestable in the eyes of the Lord. Do not bring sin upon the land the Lord your God is giving you as an inheritance. So it's clear that this passage allows for divorce based on the man giving a certificate of divorce to the woman. Now, the whole reason this existed was not for the benefit of the man. It was for the benefit of the woman. If the woman, in their culture and their day and age, a woman could not on her own provide for herself, okay? So if a wife is divorced and thrown out of her family's house, she's going to die. That certificate of divorce allows her to remarry. Now, there's something interesting I'm sure you saw at the end here. Mm -hmm. Right, it's detestable in the eyes of the Lord for the woman to go back to her first husband. Do you see that? Mm-hmm. It's really interesting. What do what do some churches try to tell people today <laughs> who've been? Oh, did did I did I just connect that dot for you?
0: Yeah, 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 yeah I it, Really yeah, interesting. I've seen churches try to make yeah. someone divorce their wife and go back to their first wife. Uh huh.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, you got an improper divorce. Well, you need to divorce your current. You need to break up this current family and go back to your wives. What What does the law of Moses say? That's interesting. There's, because, because it's detestable in the eyes of the Lord is the argument Moses makes. Yeah. But we're going to set that aside because we're not talking about that today. But there's food for thought. I thought I might point that out. Um, so the, the law allows the giving of a certificate of divorce. Mm-hmm. Let's go back to Matthew 19. That's essentially why the Pharisees say in Matthew 19, 7, but why did Moses command? And notice how they look at it. It is a command that a man give his wife a certificate of divorce and send her away. Look at how Jesus replied. Moses permitted you to divorce your wife. Notice Jesus does not contradict the command. He understands this is a command, and it was given by one who had authority to give it, Moses. But why did Moses give it? Because it's what God wanted? No. Moses permitted you to divorce your wives because your hearts were hard, but it was not this way from the beginning. I tell you that anyone who divorces his wife, except for sexual immorality and marries another woman, commits adultery. But what does the law of moses say can give up for any reason so jesus comes in and says the whole reason moses did that was because your hearts were hard yeah so let's get real why is god allowing slavery i'm just pointing out does god allow things in the law of moses does god put things in the law of moses that are not to be bound forever, that do not express his divine intent or will.
0: You know what you're what you're fixing to do here? It, people's heads are going to spin around.
1: Hey man, I'm just pointing out what the book says. I'm, I'm, I'm just I'm, asking I'm, questions. You're
0: pointing out things that nobody's seen before. I, that, I, don't, I don't believe that. I believe it. Oh, I, 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 bu- I believe it 100%. I'm just pointing out what the book actually I understand says. that. That's all I'm doing. I'm not saying what you're doing is wrong. I think it's, I think it's awesome. I've never seen some of this before. And I'm 72 years old. Oh, I'm not done. I know you're not done. Let's get over to Ezekiel chapter 20. I know you're not, because this is the one that I want to, I want to, mm.
1: So Ezekiel chapter 20, Ezekiel is the, is the priest in exile. Yep. They, this is after the Babylonian captivity. Yep. Mm-hmm. They've been taken, they've been taken into exile mm. and God, the people in exile are complaining. They're, they're constantly complaining how you know we didn't do anything wrong and it was the fathers you know the fathers eat sour yep. grapes and the children's teeth are yep. set on edge and god is revealing to ezekiel like no <laughs> you're all sinners congratulations you you're getting what you deserve um and that's that's part of what's going on here um so god is going back over what is going on in the wilderness and we're going to start we're going to start pretty high up yep uh, let's food. let's uh let, let's start in verse 12 because it talks about the sabbaths mm-hmm. right okay. so this is god speaking to the people in exile through the through the priest Ezekiel. Also, I gave them my sabbaths, which we've been reading about—the sabbaths, the jubilees, all these things—as a sign between us, so they would know
0: that I, the Lord, made now them this, holy. Now, the, everything we're talking about in Leviticus. Yeah, he's talking right here. Yeah, yeah. he said I gave them the Sabbath. Ta- talking to about
1: those people in the wilderness mm-hmm. and receiving the covenant at Sinai. we
0: we're we're still at in Leviticus. That's right. They're still. These are the people in the wilderness. to. Okay, go ahead. Yes. Verse 13,
1: yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. Um, if you were curious how it was going to play out in the wilderness with the people of Israel, uh, spoiler alert, we <laughs> just found out. Uh, yet the people of Israel rebelled against me in the wilderness. Well, how did they do that? The golden calf, Korah's rebellion, Moses, Aaron's rebellion, uh, his wife's rebellion, oh, Moses' there's a whole, rebellion. I mean, it,
0: it... It's time after time after time after time, man. It's
1: it's all over the place. We've looked at some of it. They, they can't get through the first year. No.
0: They can't get through for the first three months. No.
1: Well, they we, made the golden calf.
0: Yeah. Right? Yeah. <laughs> well, they're, they're going to be in the wilderness for 40 years. Right. Yeah, absolutely. And, and most of them he's writing to in Leviticus are going to be dead. That's right.
1: Yeah, it's their Cause children. Because God's going to kill them. Yeah, it's their children that will inherit yeah. the land. Anyway, okay. so keep going. They did not follow my decrees, but rejected my laws. No kidding. By which the person who who obeys them will live. And they utterly desecrated my Sabbaths. Okay, now look at what he said here, right? By which the person who obeys them will live. Mm -hmm. Okay, keep that in mind, right? And they utterly desecrated my Sabbaths. So I said I would pour out my wrath on them and destroy them in the wilderness. But for the sake of my name, I did what would keep it from being profaned in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought them out. Also with uplifted hand I swore to them in the wilderness that I would not bring them into the land I had given them, a land flowing with milk and honey, the most beautiful of all lands, because they rejected my laws and did not follow my decrees and desecrated my Sabbaths, for their hearts were devoted to their idols. Yet I looked on them with pity and did not destroy them. Remember what Jesus said? Moses gave them... The, the, a rule about divorce because their hearts were hard mm-hmm. maybe God gave them the rule about slavery because their hearts were hard you think? it sounds to me like their hearts are pretty hard here anyway yeah. we can keep going, keep going I said to their children in the, wil- in, the wil- in the wilderness do not follow the statues of your parents or keep their laws or your- defile yourselves with their idols I am the Lord your God follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws keep my sabbaths holy that they may be a sign between us then you will know that I am the Lord your God but the children rebelled against me. They did not follow my decrees. They were not careful to keep my laws, of which I said, "The person who obeys them will live by them." And they desecrated my Sabbaths.
0: So I said, "I would pour out my wrath I, oh, on oh, them." I, I like this because because there's there's something we did Wednesday night that that we read, and it says that if you're going to obey, it was Paul's talking to the Galatian church and said, oh, yeah. "If you're going to obey yeah. circumcision, then you got to obey all of it." You can't just obey one of it. You got to obey it all. You can you, you do one thing. Yeah. I mean, and that, that's what he said here. You have to keep careful to keep my laws. Keep my as holy. And he said, you, you follow my decree and be careful to keep my laws. Keep all of them. Yeah. Not just
1: one. Yeah. And the person who obeys them will live
0: by them. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. yeah. Paul, Paul brings that up in Galatians to devastating effect, I would say, but I withheld my hand and for the sake, this is verse 22, but I withheld my hand and for the sake of my name, I did what would keep it from being profaned in the eyes of the nations in whose sight I had brought Israel out of Egypt. Also with the uplifted hand, I swore to them in the wilderness that I would disperse them among the nations and scatter them through the countries. We're about to get there. That's Leviticus 26. That's coming in the next chapter. It's the first time that God says, if you're not going to do this then there will be punishment, right? If you're not going to follow me, then there's going to be punishment, right? Uh, I would disperse them among the nations and scatter them through the countries because they had not obeyed my laws, but had rejected my decrees and desecrated my Sabbaths. And their eyes lusted after their parents' idols.
0: Oh, this is a good one here.
1: All right. Okay. So is this God's perfect law? I think Jesus probably lets us know that it's not right? Because Jesus, like your hearts were hard. So, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of a tool meant for a specific purpose, right? Verse 25. So I gave them other statues that were not good and laws through which they could not live. (laughs) I defiled them through their gifts, the sacrifice of every firstborn that I might fill them with horror. So they would know that I am the Lord. he playing with them whats God saying? God's saying, remember guys, and and this, we have to go back to Exodus 19 for this. Okay. But you go back to Exodus 19. God reveals himself on the mountain to the people. And what do the people say? They don't say, Oh, look at this lovely Lord who saved us. We love him so much. That's not what they said. Oh, we're going to devote ourselves to him forever. That's not what they said. What did they say? They said, Oh my gosh, I don't want anything to do with this guy. (laughs) He terrifies me. You go talk to him. Moses, you go talk to him because if we even hear him, we're going to die. The reality of God was so terrifying to these people that they could not even stand to be within his, within any sight of him.
0: It it gives us a glimpse, Cole, today, how people are so flippant with their lifestyles Mm. and the way they live. The things they find is acceptable. They, They worship the body. Yeah. They worship their feelings, their emotions, their sexuality, and they and so they completely abandon anything close to God, and then try to make God the perpetrator of it, and then try to make God God's okay with this because I love this and God wants me to be happy. That's right, and and so
1: the is that's what the Israelites did. They saw what God really was, completely rejected Him, and we have the full the the fulfillment, but the the end result of that in Exodus thirty two with the golden calf.
0: I've not ever seen this verse before. Or I've seen it and glossed over it. This gives you a new perspective of God. And some of the things back here. And it gives me a new perspective of do I do I want to be a part of a church that professes Old Testament lifestyle? I mean because I now it's suspect for me. What what we have to
1: understand is there are principles at play in the old testament this is what jesus does he says hey what's the foundation of law love god and love your neighbor neighbor. okay so what part of taking your neighbor as a slave fulfills that or what about what nothing
0: what part of coveting your neighbor's wife or his goods? so
1: so if the foundation of that so why does god look at israel and give them slaves because their hearts were hard because he's trying to deal with a rebellious people, he's trying to bring in Jesus, so all nations of the world will be blessed.
0: So he's trying Genesis to do that. One will be
1: so Genesis chapter one can happen. Yes, because God can't exist in the presence of sin. God's got to deal with sin, and so he's giving Israel this law that starts helping them understand God's got to deal with sin. How is he going to deal with sin through blood? God God wants all people, right? We're going to read a passage in Deuteronomy that says. Yes, you are God's chosen people, but he rules over all the earth and wants all the nations. He is king over all of them, okay? So that's where God's headed. But to get there, he's gonna have to deal with this people and he's gonna have to put up with some of this people's hardness. Divorce, the, the certificate of divorce ruling was part of that. We have Jesus in Matthew 19 say that. Well, let's put on our thinking caps, guys, and use the principles that Jesus just revealed to us in Matthew 19 and logically look at some of this stuff. But, oh, wait, you know, I don't have to put two and two together. I don't have to just make the logical deduction. Turn to First Timothy. This is 1 Timothy chapter 1, okay? And this is Paul talking to Timothy. And he says he says this, and it's, I love this. I love I love what Paul says here. Okay, verse eight. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. <laughs> huh, how do we misuse the law, Paul? Oh, let us count the ways. <laughs> All right. We know that the law is good if one uses it properly. We also know that the law is not made for the righteous. But for lawbreakers and rebels, the ungodly and sinful, the unholy and irreligious, for those who kill their fathers or mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, for those practicing homosexuality, for slave traitors, and liars, and perjurers, and for whatever else is contrary to the sound doctrine that confirms to the gospel concerning the glory of the blessed God, which he entrusted to me. We need to wake up. God gave them a law for a specific purpose. That purpose was to bring Jesus onto the scene. Mm-hmm. It was to, in many places, it was to foreshadow what was going to be. It was to reveal to the Israelites who God is, the character of him, right? And to deal with a people steeped in slavery
0: and sin. I like what you said, you know, that, that he, he did it to deal with the sin problem. He did. That's what, he dealt, that's what he did. That's what he's doing. Because he wants it to be like Genesis 1. He does. And that's what it will be at some point.
1: And it, there's no slaves in Genesis 1. No, there's no slavery no, in Genesis no, 1. No. In Matthew 19, Jesus reveals to us the intent and the purpose behind the law. Mm-hmm. It was not meant to be like this law forever. It was, it was a screwdriver. It was, me, it was a tool meant to accomplish a purpose. And when it accomplished its purpose, it went away. And there were things in that law that... We're not reflective of God's character. We're not reflective of God's nature. We're not intended to be used. And the question is, well, okay, when we understand that, when we put Ezekiel 20 together and we put Matthew 19 together and we clearly see that God had things in that law, in the, old, on, in the covenant at Sinai, that was not meant to go forward. When we start to see that, it's easy for people to go, oh, well, then what, what can we throw out? Things that are inconsistent with God's character. Yeah. And in 1 Timothy chapter uh, 1, verse 4, we see very clearly that slavery was not consistent with God's character. Yeah. I didn't need to come to Timothy for that. Yeah. I could have gone right back to the garden, just like Jesus did. Mm-hmm. I go right back to the garden and say, oh, this was God's intended purpose. So before we go crazy and say, oh, well, we can throw everything in the Old Testament out. No, no, no you can't. No. You really can't. But if you come to the Old Testament and you're trying to find hard and fast rules for living, you're wrong. You're, you're going to be, gonna find them. you're not going to find them. You, I mean, you will find them and you can bind them well, on but people, but it's not a good idea.
0: Them, Cole, you, would. you have to pick and yeah. choose them to make it, to make it sustainable within your cultural place. Today, right. Today, you can't yeah. sustain that within the, within the framework of where we are
1: culturally. And even within the law. Even within the the, the law itself, mm-hmm. that paradigm comes true. We're going to get to that passage in Numbers, yeah. where Moses looks at those women and says, "Oh, well, we've. I guess we're going to have to, to we're going to have to add something here." And they go to God and they figure
0: it out. I think. Right? I think the essence of this class, I think, can be is what did Jesus say was the essence of the law? Love God. To love God with everything you have and love your and neighbors, love your neighbors yourself. yourself. That's right. That that he said that the whole law is summed up in that. That's the and if you love your neighbors way. yourself. You're not going to enslave them, right?
1: That's right. So how do we look at this? Getting back with the, with the remaining time, getting back in Leviticus, looking at 25, looking at 25, 39 through 44, or 20, 20, 39 rather through 46. How do we look at this? I think the way we need to look at this is the same way we should look at Deuteronomy 25 and the whole discussion about divorce. I think it's the, the whole way we should look at a, a few things in the law and we need to understand that God gave Israel this then to accomplish a purpose. And that purpose was to bring us Christ. Mm -hmm. He was dealing with a hard headed people who had to be given a law that was imperfect, that did not reveal the perfect will of God, right? Mm -hmm. And it was never intended to be the end all be all, guiding the end all be all, hard and fast rule of morality. Okay. It was never intended to be that. And, and to be quite frank, you see that in the first century. In the first century, the Jews really don't have a lot of slaves. But it's not really something they practiced. The, the practice of slavery pretty much came to an end. Why? Because the Jews understood. The Jews understood the principle. Yeah, they're, they're allowed, but it doesn't matter if they're allowed. They understood the principle. You know, the lawyer looked at Jesus in the Gospel of Luke. It isn't Jesus who says, love God and love your neighbor. The lawyer comes up with the answer. Mm-hmm. Jesus says, well, you know the law, how do you read it? And the lawyer comes up with the answer. Yeah. It's interesting that- And then he says, and
0: the second is just like it. Yeah. Love your neighbors yourself.
1: So it's, it's interesting how that dynamic works. It's not like, we, we wanna look at the Bible oftentimes for hard and fast rules. And it, especially in the Old Testament, that isn't the point. The point is not about hard and fast rules. You're reading rules that were given to a specific people during a specific time.
0: Because of who these people were. But we've got whole whole dynamics that have picked out bits and pieces of them. In fact, they picked out the first 10. I know. And said, you see, here are the 10 commandments of God. No. I know. No. That wasn't given to us. But no. we make, and I heard somebody just said on TV, he said, well, if you live by the 10 commandments, you'll be fine. The, the 10 commandments are rules and rules are meant for
1: children. It's, it's really that simple rules. what? And, and if you break the Decalogue up, if you break it up, if you break the commandments up, the 10 commandments, what you walk away with is the principle behind them. Love God. The first five commands, I believe mm-hmm. are all about loving God. Loving God. They're mm-hmm. rules about loving God. Mm-hmm. And then the, the next five are rules about loving, loving your neighbor. Me. Yeah. So. These, so Jesus was right. So it's not it's not that these rules don't apply. It's not. These are rules meant for children. Who were the children? The people of Israel, mm-hmm. right? Now we're in the church and we need to start operating off the paradigm, not the rule. The paradigm is love, God. Yeah, the paradigm is love our neighbor. And the question that we ought to be asking is, how do we do that? How do we do that better and better? Yeah. How do we embody that? Yeah, because if, if we're going to try to just hold the rule without understanding the paradigm, we're going to run into trouble. Especially just like, just
0: like the world has today.
1: Especially if we bind rules that were never even given to us. I've I'm not a party to the covenant at Sinai. I've never been. I, I'm not I'm not in any way descended from these people. I'm not this this covenant has no bearing on me. Further, even the people that it did have bearing on that it was binding to, this covenant was nailed to the cross, according and, to Paul. And in Romans these 7. people
0: there are people still that 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 they identify with this today. Yeah. They don't even do this. They don't obey this. No. Big name people we've talked about before. Not here, but we've talked about personally. They don't adhere to it either. Yeah. They don't have any of this going for them. Yet they they uh, they profess to be God's chosen people. It's not, you know, anyway. No, I, I'm, I'm hey, with you. I'm with you. We're going to get into chapter 26 next week. Chapter 26.
1: We're going to start talking about... We're going to talk about where the health and wealth gospel comes from. There we go.
0: <laughs> Believe, you know, you're going to be rewarded for obedience and punished for disobedience. They leave that part out. Thank God, that's not my covenant. Yeah, thank God. Let's pray. Father in heaven, thank you so much for the opportunity we've had to study this. We pray your blessings upon us as we as we take a a, a hard look and, a, and an honest look at what the what the things that you told your people really say and what we're supposed to take from it. Father, we pray your blessings upon us as we navigate through all of this. Uh, we're going to learn some some really neat stuff and we pray your blessings upon us that we'll take it in context and, uh, and learn how to apply it to our lives, whatever we need to do. Help Cole and I to be able to take our audience there into that place, Father. Thank you for the opportunity. Bless us encourage us thank you for your son and thank you that he was the he was the payment for the sin problem thank you father it's in his name that we pray amen Amen.